The opinions expressed on Tomahawk Talk do not reflect those of WVFS Tallahassee. Travis under center. We're going to hand it up. Pittman in reverse to Rector. Throws it to Travis in the end zone for a touchdown. Trickeration. What? A touchdown pass on the end around. Mike Norvell getting creative. And the Knolls executed to perfection. And welcome to Tomahawk Talk. Good evening, Tallahassee. WVFS is delighted, elated, jubilant, and excited to bring to you the best hour of Sports Talk Radio we can muster up. We are on air locally broadcasting from FM 89.7 in the capital of the Sunshine State. And if, for whatever reason, you're listening on the radio and you missed the rest of the show, or you want to go back and listen to all of the hot takes, you can find us on Apple or Spotify Podcasts, or really wherever you get your podcasts at. I'm your host with a face for Radio Jackson, Bakich, filling in for William Haynes. Alongside myself, sitting in the co-host chair, Kylie Brennan. Kylie, how you doing? Jackson, I'm doing great. Coming off a great weekend. Uh, it's always great when you get another FSU win in the books and 14 uh, days. Madison Social posted that uh, since FSU That's right. has allowed a touchdown. How was Madison Social, by the way? Oh, it's amazing. It's always great when you can have some BLT dip. Fun fact, I actually do not like BLT sandwiches, but love BLT dip. I don't know if that's like a, you don't like ketchup, but you like tomatoes correlation, that kind of jam, but well, I don't know. I, here's the thing. Bacon, there's debates about this. Bacon on its own is not a, a great meat for a sandwich. It's a it's an additional substantive kind of meat, you know? Like I mean I, I, I could argue that bacon bacon does just fine on a sandwich, but I don't know. That's just my opinion. But anyway, uh next, sitting in one of our panelist chairs, Max Rundy coming back to the show. We missed you. How's it going? I'm very perplexed right now. You don't like bacon? No, I love bacon. No, I'm saying on its own, on a sandwich, it's it's great as an additional meat. Like like a, okay, okay, but, but if I had a, if you had the option of a turkey sandwich or a turkey and bacon sandwich, you're always going to pick the turkey and bacon. Absolutely, yeah, okay, it's a okay. great addition. Now piece I'm of meat. perplexed for another reason. Yeah, what on earth is a BLT dip? What is the base Whoa, for? Oh my what, what, goodness! Is it like a mayonnaise Max. base or is it like a salsa base? Max, Max, Max. This is Max. a phenomenal question. Max, the you are, listeners have no clue what's going on. You are right. you are a graduate school student. Correct. I don't spend money, at least at okay, Mad. Okay, okay, so. all right, all right. I I, I like to, uh, what is it? Max, risk next, my chances with the coin flip on Fridays at gotcha. Township, well, but that's about it. Max, but, next time that we go to Madison Social, I will go Dutch. Actually, no, I will buy you a BLT dip. <laughs> that way you can. That's a generous. No, nobody answered right my question though. Is it is it salsa based or okay, is it like it, mayonnaise based? It's actually based? it's it's I believe it's Greek yogurt and sour cream mixed together alongside. Okay. Uh, a little bit of lettuce, a little bit of tomato. Like I mean, we're we're answering and, and the heavy hitting questions That's to start right. the show. Absolutely, absolutely. That's right. Uh, and then next, we're gonna go to Ian Hughes. You know, Ian, you're a familiar voice to the Tomahawk Talk faithful. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, uh, undefeated on the weekend, uh, Sands fantasy yes. football. So, <laughs> um, but I'm used to that. Um, I was also at Madison Social, but for a different game. I ah. watched the Dolphins there yesterday, uh, so that was good. nice. They did look very we'll good. We'll get into it, but they looked good. Didn't punt once. So, And also, uh, in, in the production booth, we got a shout-out to our Swiss Army Knife, Jack Oliaro, monitoring our Unos and Doses. Doses? 
That sounds good. Doses uh, and mimosas. Doses and mimosas. That's right. Um, so, before we get the show started, um, last night at the University of Virginia, um, there was a, a horrible, horrible tragedy um, in which three players were were from the football team. Um, it was just it was it was tragic. Uh, that's that's the only way um, I can put it. Um, the players on the football team, their names were Lavelle Davis, Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry. Um, just a senseless, senseless tragedy. Um, you know, politics aside, it, it, it's it, it is not it is cowardly to to pull a trigger. Anybody can pull a trigger, um, but you know, getting up every day, going to work. You know, living an honest life—that that's being a tough guy. That's that's what we should really be uh, focusing on in our, in our society. But uh, that aside, our, our thoughts and prayers are with uh, those gentlemen, their families, and in the UVA community. Um, but moving on to to Florida State football, um, the biggest story coming out of Tallahassee this weekend. Florida State defeats the Syracuse Orange by a, a whopping score of 38-3 to in upstate New York. And honestly, the winning margin could have been a lot larger. This is an FSU team that is firing on all cylinders. The last three weeks, the offense, for the most part, has been scoring at will. The defense isn't giving up long drives, as it appears most of the points that they give up are due to a short field situation. And Ryan Fitzgerald is making field goals again, and it seems like every kickoff of his is a touchback. This team is doing things the right way. Were they a little sloppy against Georgia Tech? Yes. But they were mistakes that could have been easily fixed, and they were. And those mistakes really have been uncharacteristic uh, throughout the entire year. There hasn't been a, a pattern of uncharacteristic mistakes, I'd say, uh, throughout the first seven or eight games that they played prior to GT. They won by a large margin against GT anyway. And to the naked eye against Miami, they played a darn near perfect game. Against Syracuse, they played a darn near perfect game. On Saturday, we saw an FSU team that came to take care of business. Jordan Travis is almost perfect, going 21 of 23 with three touchdowns. Trey Benson rushes for a buck 63 on 18 carries. And when Florida State kept it on the ground, it looked as though you could have driven a freight train through the space they were opening up for the running backs. It was complete and utter domination. But not only did the Knolls execute, they didn't shoot themselves in the foot either. They let Syracuse make mistakes, and they got constant pressure on the defensive side of the ball. It appeared that when they showed up to the JMA Wireless Dome, that they knew they deserved to win. They didn't, they didn't just go there hoping to win or expecting to win. They, they, they knew they deserved to win. That's what it looked like, at least to me. And that's what's been missing at Florida State for so long. A team that is so confident in the work that they put in that they aren't constantly looking over their shoulder as soon as they go up by a few scores. We were all at Madison Social kind of waiting for the buck to drop. We were waiting for a Florida State team to allow the Hurricanes to come back. We saw it in Dope Campbell Stadium last year. We are seeing a team that isn't surprised by the fact that they're about to hang a 40-burger on the rivals on the road, as we saw two weeks ago. We're seeing a team that doesn't care that it's senior night at their opponent's stadium. And Knowles fans are excited about it. 
Because even though the last two years have brought us entertaining football, no matter the opponent or no matter the outcome, I'm sure FSU fans would much rather take a blowout, take the blowout wins when they can. And I don't want to overreact. I understand that the last three weeks FSU has gone into a game either playing against a backup or a banged-up starter. I get it. But this has more to do with Florida State's growth in terms of their own execution rather than their opponent's inability to perform. Since Jimbo's departure, FSU fans know that the Noles have been unable to play clean football. They have been incapable of finishing games over solid teams in convincing fashion, and they have not only thrown away game after game throughout the past years, but have thrown away recruiting class after recruiting class due to their inability to execute. I was very hard on the guys during the three-game losing streak on this show, and even after their win versus Georgia Tech, because I knew that they were very much capable of playing to a higher standard. I knew that Coach Norvell could prepare these guys better. In the past two weeks, we've seen not only the Noles play at a high level, but them being coached at a high level as well. I believe that most of us can agree this is an FSU team that is improving every week, and Coach Norvell is improving as a play caller every week. They're a team that fans are looking forward to watching their games. They're a team that the fans are starting to believe in. So here at Tomahawk Talk, we'd like to congratulate this Florida State team because you can now claim a winning season for the first time since 2017. So I'm going to go to Kylie. What are your thoughts concerning Florida State's recent successes? Who or what would you give the most credit to? I mean, obviously I'm feeling great. Um, it's always great to wake up on Sunday morning and not be disappointed. I think every college football fan likes to be in that position. Um, definitely, I got to give credit to the rock breaker, uh, Florida State ceremony. Um, got to give credit to Adam Fuller, defensive coordinator. Uh, defense, defense, defense. That's exactly what we need to be talking about these past few games only allowing three points on the board. That hasn't even happened um, back-to-back since 2013, yep. I'd like to add. Um, but also, I think you got to mention Jared Verse here, too. Uh, you've got him going four tackles for loss, one sack. Genuinely, this game is exactly what you said, near perfect. Um, they're, they're firing on all cylinders, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Genuinely. Um, I'm excited for what we're going to see this coming weekend as well. Um, but going into this game, I think that we probably should have expected this large of a margin. I mean, Syracuse had given up 700 yards the previous three games. We are probably one of the strongest run games in the ACC right now. Probably should have expected this large of a margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you you go back and you listen to our, our show last week, and, and William and I were, were predicting a, a pretty large margin. Um, we were actually wrong. Uh, the Knolls actually won by more than what we predicted. Um, but you're right. The, the defense is the unsung hero. I mean, we, we, we can talk about Jordan Travis. We can talk about you know whether he stays or he comes back next year. Um, we can talk about um, you know him and the running backs just having a heck of a year uh, on the ground. But this defense last three or four games. You, you go to that Georgia Tech game. They they the offense fumbles the ball on the one yard line. Georgia Tech has the ball on Florida State's probably twenty five thirty yard line. They only give up a field goal. I mean that's that's not the defense's fault. Uh, they forced a three and out. Obviously Georgia Tech they had a backup quarterback. wasn't their best squad. But this is a team that the past three weeks have just executed and executed 
and executed. So, um, yeah, definitely an unsung hero is, is the defense. But we're, we're going to swing to Max real quick. Um, Max, I want to hear your initial reaction to the Syracuse win. Um, so that'll be first, if you'd like to go ahead. Yeah, I, I honestly know exactly where I'm going to take this because Kylie set it up so perfectly for me. She hit it on the nail. This defense turned it around because of Jared Verse, and Jared Verse being healthy, most importantly of all. He had been dealing with that knee problem. He had been wearing the brace on and off there, and once he finally got it off, it's been a lot better. He's moving a lot quicker around the edge, and he's really pressuring this QB. These QBs in the past few weeks has really made this Florida State three-game winning streak what it is. It's just crazy because when you watch that game – over this weekend, Florida State dominated, without a doubt. But when you go back and look at the numbers, the domination was, like, unbelievable. First half, Syracuse does, doesn't does put up more than 100 yards. In fact, they only put up 61 total yards. It felt like they were playing an FCS team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really did. Second half, the half where they're already down by, like, two-plus touchdowns. What is it? Yeah, they're down tw- – exactly. They're down three touchdowns, so you think they're going to air attack like crazy? 99 total yards for Syracuse in the second half, with 31 of them coming through the air. This defense has become dangerous. And although Syracuse is not the greatest competition in the world, it's still shockingly impressive to perform this well. They're, they're, I believe, one of four teams that are top 20 in offense and defense. I think it's Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. It was... I had worser hopes for this game. I... I the way I put it to my friend is, I bet most Syracuse fans are like, we could win this game by a lot. And then I bet, like me, heading into this game, I, as a Florida State student, expected a pretty healthy victory. And it was a lot more than that. It was like an overgrown victory, if anything. But getting to the question, actually, I'll let you pose the question Well, yeah, first. so uh, at the beginning of this season, at the beginning of the school year, the semester at the very end of the show, I remember this. We, we were talking about, you know, how does Florida State fare should Jordan Travis go down? And and we saw it against Louisville, and I believe this is your first time back on the show since. I think so. Uh, so I just want you to, you know, kind of give your opinion on that still. Obviously, Tate Rodemaker uh, has a great game um, at Louisville to come in uh, in relief. So I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead. Here's what I'll say. As much as Tate Rodemaker is – doing what he can do now in garbage time and in that fill-in game where he performed admirably, admirably, like very well. But this entire season is still built on the back of Jordan Travis. Yeah, I would agree. 65.3 completion percentage, over 2,400 yards in the air, that is. 20 TDs on four interceptions. I mean, all of those are top three quarterback numbers in the ACC. He is a bona fide stud when it comes down to it. And as much as Rotomaker is looking a lot more competent than we made him out to be, I don't have any confidence that he'd even come close to these numbers that Travis is putting up in a way that would make me heavily concerned if Travis did go down and even more concerned for the future, as you talked about, what if Travis leaves, which yeah. he can do. And after a year like this, wouldn't be too surprised if he did. We're just going to give the keys over to Rotomaker in a year when Florida State's football program could take two ways. They could build off this season and relaunch themselves into the powerhouse they once were, or they could fold. Well, I'll tell you what. If if Jordan Travis stays next year, I think they start the year ranked, without a doubt. Um, I think Jordan Travis is a dark horse for the Heisman next year, should he stay. But you look at the season so far, Florida State has three losses, all to ranked opponents. 
if, let's say uh, Tate Roadmaker is let's let's say after those those three losses. So you, you've played GT, you've played Syracuse, and you've played Miami. Do you imagine Tate Rodemaker at quarterback losing any of those games? Which three again? G- Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Miami. With the way the whole team looked against Georgia Tech, yeah, mm-hmm. probably Georgia Tech. But the other two, no. Gotcha. So, you, but you, you think I, I that... blame Miami specifically more on Miami's problems. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I don't want to beat a dead horse. So we're gonna, we're going to go to Ian. Um, what were you most impressed by during the Syracuse game? The Noles' offensive output or the defensive domination? Uh, definitely the defense. I mean, this team has been putting up points all year. I, I wasn't surprised that they were able to, you know, hang 38 on Syracuse. But it's the the way that they prevented, and not just Syracuse, but the last week too against Miami. You know, two teams that aren't the greatest on offense. But, I mean, more than three points was still to be expected, yep. I thought. I mean, Garrett Schrader, I know he's coming off an injury and whatnot. Yeah, but an he, owie. Yeah, he did have an owie. But he's no slouch, you know. He's probably one of the more solid quarterbacks in the ACC when yeah. he's healthy. You know, not a stat pattern or anything, but he gets the job done, and we made him look completely mortal. I mean, 65 yards passing total the entire game. I mean, and and Florida State was getting penetration the entire game. Yeah, and and Schrader looked like he had some sort of lower body injury, which I don't. If it was his ankle, maybe that affects how he throws. But uh, it didn't seem like uh, it didn't seem like it's. It felt like a mobility thing, and yeah. for for Syracuse not to be able to protect him um you know you thought maybe Syracuse would get a more jumbo packages especially uh with Sean Tucker and company as well but um this Knowles defense the secondary too just yeah. just played lights out so um Kyle you got anything to, to add I think one of the biggest things that we need to touch on here is when was the last time we were ever able to mention the word depth talking about a Florida State football team. Very true. I mean, getting into the fourth quarter, we're seeing decisions having to be made in compliance with redshirt rules. Yeah. That's absolutely insane to think that that's where we are. And you have Benson averaging 9.1 yards a carry, almost a first down every carry. That's insane. These, These numbers are insane. And getting into the garbage time and seeing guys perform well, but also even even if we're not confident in Rodemaker, he's not the only guys we have de- the only guy we have developing in the wings. They you know, like in the articles they all said that like AJ Duffy showcased a lot of talent. He just needs seasoning. He just yeah. needs the time. And, and you have Wyatt Rector, of course, throwing yeah, a touchdown you also pass. Have Wyatt Rector, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I mean even then, I think you can have faith that Norvell's going to figure out something creative to do. Um, obviously, a loss of Travis. See, my only concern for that, though, is the same thing has been said about Rotomaker for years, and it never really came to fruition. Until Louisville, though. You could argue that, but that's not necessarily true. I mean, he, he, played, like, he played like a starting quarterback. He had an adrenaline, lo- adrenaline rush, Nick Foles-esque performance. He did not have a proven game. Well, then you it can was argue, only one half. Well, then you can argue that he performs when he's counted on. Yeah. Uh, in the games where there's a large margin and maybe they're running more creative play calls. And how, he's also, like this past game, he wasn't put in with insane. I people. don't disagree. I just more or less look back on last year and see how he has just didn't take strides at all, given multiple opportunities. Well, last year, you know, he's, he's, well, he's thrown to the fire two years ago. 
And then last year, the offensive line was was not good at all. Um, but to go back to your point about depth, Kylie, I mean, you have you're you're absolutely right. You have a wide receiver room that's the deepest it's been in years. You have a an offensive line group that you're able to shuffle guys and move them around and actually have a solid chance of keeping the quarterback healthy. I think Florida State's only allowed 12 sacks all year, and that may be a testament to Jordan Travis and his ability to escape, but also to see where they were before and after uh, is, a, is a truly a testament to, to Coach Atkins and the, and the offensive line staff there. Along with Coach Dugans, I mean, to, to be able to get wide receiver transfers that have been huge impact players. Uh, also, you have guys like Deuce Span that hasn't don't get mentioned hasn't even you know made uh an impact yet and i think he will next year depending on what happens with 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 johnny wilson he probably goes i think i think he's a guy that's ready for sunday just his his i don't know he might not have a he might not be able to go yet yeah i think i think he does one more year but i think the the thing about the depth is on the offensive end especially is tight end is really thin for the mm -hmm. most part and it's not been a problem but we've seen guys like Marquise and Douglas really take a step. Preston Daniel, he, he's been a very good blocker this year. And then you have Kim McDonald, who's pretty reliable. But, yeah, the fact that tight ends their haven't been mentioned. Rate. Yeah, their, their usage rate is really cold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hardly low. ever see McDonald making any catches. and yeah. We don't need them. You usually have Marquise and Douglas. I don't, like at the beginning of the, of the Miami game, you have, a, you have Marquise and Douglas usually kind of, uh, I don't know exactly, what, but like a Texas play. You know, yeah. I'm talking about NCAA 14. That kind of he's going to start out in the backfield and kind of shift up through the middle. Or he's going to start on the edge of the line and and that um, that's and how Travis has thrived as a quarterback, yeah. hitting those like not dump offs, but maybe 10, 12 yards down the field at most tight end crosser routes to some extent. Versus nowadays, you see him hitting the deep ball, and yeah. that's what he's always. If he can do that, he is a Heisman threat. He really is. Well. Florida State fans have always questioned his throwing ability until this year. and He had a game last year. I think it might have been Wake Forest last year where he threw the ball all over the place. Well, remember, you're splitting reps with, with McKenzie Milton. McKenzie, I believe McKenzie Milton started that game. Jordan Travis, I believe, was also coming off an injury. Uh, but Jordan Travis has proven that he can throw. He's proven he can hit the long ball. I mean, I mean, his arm might be as good as Tua's. I mean, he I mean, proved he, that he could do all three. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And um, it's it's just impressive to see the strides that Jordan Travis has taken. So, anyway, we're taking calls tonight. Uh, the number is 850-644-1837. Once again, 850-644-1837. We're not going to go to break yet, but... Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to our our Louisiana predictions. Florida State plays Louisiana Lafayette at noon on Saturday in the friendly confines of Doak Campbell Stadium. Uh, Knowles are riding a three-game winning streak, heading into their second-to-last home game. So I'm going to I'm going to go to Kylie real quick. What do the Knowles need to do in order to make it four in a row? Well, first off, I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx it, but this game should be a no-brainer. I think this team is beyond jinxing now. I, yeah, I, I think I think Bold. they're. I hope they're above that. I, I think they are, but I, I really don't think we need to worry about this team. This definitely isn't Billy Napier's team at all. Um, in fact, most of a lot of the starters actually jumped ship and followed him to Florida. Uh, but definitely, um, 
I want to see Florida State feed the ball to Johnny Wilson a little bit more because a lot of the secondary is gone after that coaching shift. Um, I mean, definitely need to watch out for Eric Gehrer, but the front seven's their strength, so if Florida State needs to beat them, it needs to be in the air. Um, that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody is expecting Florida State to, to win by less than 14. Uh, I don't know. Did they announce the line yet? I'm sure they did. Um, but this should be a game I think it's going to be kind of similar to Duquesne. I think this is going to be a game where Florida State you know, might start out maybe a three and out or uh, you know, punt early, but I don't think Florida State's going to have any trouble with this team. Um, so I'm going to go to Max. What do you think? Um, I would be a little worried. Not actually, but more or less flat, coming out just sad, not not as enti- or, um, energetic and intense as you would hope. Uh, do, you, I, do you think they're going to win worried. out? Yeah, yeah. I I would not be worried at all about Louis, uh, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. I think they could scare FSU. And, of course, there's the injury bug, hoping that would never happen to nobody. But if something were to happen, it could really derail this team. The depth is better than it's been ever in my lifetime here at FSU, but it's still dangerous, and it's still concerning. At least historically it is for me. So I would say just finish out the season as strong as you possibly can in hopes of getting a really like touted bowl game. Yeah. And that's where I would be concerned about winning out this season. It's not, it's not Louisiana. I think the trap game is a big fear that could happen to a young team. I think UF is going to be embarrassing. That stadium is going to be rocking. Yeah. UF is not good this year. Well, I mean, they, they beat a good Utah team. Yeah. In the Utah first team, game of the year. That's true, but they beat a good Utah team that was returning a lot of starters. Uh, I just think they for, beat them at home, but they beat a good Utah team yeah. that beat USC. Um, and you beat you have a, a Florida team that went toe-to-toe with LSU. I mean, I think it was a two-touchdown game, but it, it was a one-score game for Don't the majority of it. I mean, this is but. also a Florida <laughs> team that had a high-scoring game against Texas A&M. Yeah, that, that's very true, and I, I think there's definitely some weak spots <laughs> when you for sure with this Jimbo's, Florida team. Jimbo Fisher's play calling to actually yeah. do something to you. That's a... Well, that game was on the road. That's a, that's a <laughs> tough environment. You know, Texas A&M was fighting for a bowl game at that point. Um, which they are not now. We'll talk about that later. But um, I, I think Florida State, I mean, we don't want to jump ahead and talk about that. We'll talk about it next week. But I, I, I think Florida State's going to win that game. Um, we're going to go to Ian. Is there any part of you that expects FSU to come out flat against, or, excuse me, against Louisiana? I suppose there's always the lingering feeling, you know, just based on years past that mm-hmm. maybe they'll come out. And, you know, we all remember the game against Louisiana Monroe. But that was so long ago and we're staggered s- I mean yeah I mean we're yeah. so far past that that I don't think that there's really much to be worried about I mean we we I just checked the line on um on draft DraftKings we're nice. up by 23 and a half yeah. is the line um and I think that we could pretty easily cover that I mean we've covered it 3 weeks now yeah. against ACC opponents good um, teams win great teams cover that's true I mean and Louisiana and Lafayette is 3 and 4 in the Sun Belt I mean come on <laughs> yeah, the SPC, baby. So uh, we're going to do some score predictions. Um, Kylie, if you want to start us off. Honestly, I, I definitely think we cover um, 
24-point favorites. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go 49-3. 49-3. 52-3. Total points scored. 49 of them scored by Florida State. I, I'm going to go. You know I like bold predictions. I mean, I don't really think that's bold, necessarily. It's 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 More a than pretty, double the spread? Yeah. Well, I'm going I'm going 45 to 10. I, I don't think it's it's going to be close at all. Took the words right out of my mouth. That was <laughs> mine, too. Yours as well. <laughs> Max? I, I think it'll be, like I said, I think it's going to be scary early on. I bet they get, like, a, a gimme touchdown to start and then another one at the end of the first. I, I think from there it'll evaporate and not be a real concern. I, I bet FSU pulls out. I still think 40 is a good number. Mm-hmm. I think they'll reach 40. Yeah. So I'll say 41, random number, mm-hmm. 41 to 17. We're saying a, a Ryan Fitzgerald missed extra point in there? Yeah, because he's, he's due to miss one by now. <laughs> I, I mean, on the last, got too much last, of a role last few games, he's doing all right. <laughs> you know, he, he, Ryan Fitzgerald has, has w- definitely improved throughout the season. We want him to miss it now so that way later when it's more important in the season, he's like, he gets it out of his system. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, I do think special teams are worth mentioning in this matchup, though, because Louisiana's kicker definitely has range. Um, Kenneth Almendarez made a couple of pretty long ones, 50-plus, in their last game. That's pretty solid. And that was a problem for Fitzgerald the other day. You know, We were yes. inside a dome. He had the accuracy, just didn't have the, the range on that, that one field goal. Before we go to break, you just sparked a question I wanted to throw in uh, just yeah. in general. How do we feel about that camera angle? In, in the carry, or excuse me, the JMA Wireless Dome? It, it angered me. You know, <laughs> I've seen worse. I've seen worse. I mean, sometimes when you watch the ACC Network or RSN, you, yeah. you'll see it, the camera angles are just awful. But uh, – that's going to bring us into, br- into break. That is a good point. Maybe we'll talk about it when we get back. Um, but, you know, we don't sell anything on this show, but we're going to let you listen to music and let our vocal cords take a break. So we'll be right back in five. And welcome back to Tomahawk Talk. Uh, you know, we, we touched on the Syracuse win. We touched on the Louisiana game coming up this weekend. Uh, we're all predicting a seminal, or we've predicted a seminal sweep. You know, Knowles win, Knowles win, Knowles win is the consensus. Now we're going to go to college football this past weekend. Uh, kind of huge developments in terms of the SEC and the SEC West specifically. Nobody saw uh, at the beginning of the season, you know, Brian Kelly in his first year uh, clinching the SEC West over Alabama, over Ole Miss, over Texas A&M. I mean, at the beginning of the season, Texas A&M was at, what, number six to start the season? Somewhere around there. I mean, it, 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 I think top ten. Um, I don't have a, have it in front of me, but um, LSU defeats Arkansas in a, in a cold game for LSU at least. It was I believe it was in the 40s. It was an 11 o'clock kick there in Arkansas in Fayetteville. Bama defeats Ole Miss in Oxford. LSU clinches the West. They will face Georgia in the SEC title game in Atlanta. Guys, does a two-loss SEC champion in LSU deserve to get into the playoff? Yes. Please expand. I think that... I think that it's honestly kind of like... I was doing an interview with Coach Penske earlier this week and talking about Corbin Albert, and he was talking about how sometimes there's players that it just seems like they just have the hot hand, and he kind of compared like an MJ comparison there. And honestly, I think that this LSU team is strictly down to whenever they 
are on the hot seat. And I think that their two losses come in at kind of fluke losses when they're caught at kind of weird times. I mean, I hate saying that uh, being a Florida State broadcast here because <laughs> obviously we want to claim that win. But other than that, I think they've had really strong showings. And I think that Daniels is proving to be really great quarterback at dual threat yeah I would agree with that and and to kind of expand upon the the Florida State loss I'm, I'm not trying to take away Florida State's win because it was a great win you're in a hostile environment at least I mean you're six six hours from home um you know they had to take a plane I'm sure LSU uh took the bus you know they Florida State physically dominated that team that week uh that Labor Day Sunday but Obviously, you know, it's the day before Labor Day. But this Florida State team, they, they physically dominate LSU. You know, they almost blow it. L- LSU's coming in two weeks before the season, didn't know who their starting quarterback was going to be. It, it's it's Brian Kelly's first game as the coach of the Fighting Tigers. I don't think the college football playoff, I, I agree with you. If they win out, um, I don't. I think the committee, you know, they've been, they've been kind to one loss, or excuse me, to early loss teams. Um, throughout the the course, you know, almost this is the eighth year of the playoff, I believe. Uh, it started in 2014. This is an LSU team that, you know, they have the loss to Tennessee at home by a lot. You know, Tennessee, they had the hot hand at that point, as you mentioned, Kylie, um, or at least you mentioned the hot hand kind of analogy. They beat Bama. They beat a, a decent Arkansas team. They, they've beaten a lot of good teams when they needed to. Um, I think they'll get in based just based on the committee's past. I think they get in. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, as much as I hate to say it, I I, I do think that if they win out and win, you know, the SEC, that they have a really good case. Because I mean, obviously you do have to factor in the magnitude of the loss to Tennessee, but Tennessee is not going to be representing the SEC East in the championship yeah. game. You know, even if that is the only loss in their schedule, they didn't even make it there. So, and you watch the very you beginning. You would have to take LSU over them. You watch the very beginning of the LSU Tennessee game. I believe the the initial the first kick the uh, um the initial kickoff, LSU fumbles the ball. Yeah, and it just it was just downhill from there. Kind of kind of reminded me of when Florida State played Oregon, uh, way back in the day. It yeah. was it's just like a snowball effect. Mm-hmm. It just all kept kind of piling on LSU, and I don't think. The SEC champion has never been represented in the college football playoff. Every year, sometimes even like I think what might happen with Tennessee if they went out, they might have a chance to get in, yeah. uh, just because they started at one mm-hmm. um, in the initial rankings. Max, you are not an LSU guy. You don't. You th- what do you, I. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but would you say fraud? Absolutely. I like Jaden Daniels a lot. I remember watching him late night on TV a couple times last year, and I thought this is a really talented guy just stuck on an Arizona State team. And then he goes to LSU, and he was actually one of the saving graces of that FSU-LSU game for the most part. And he's really shown out from then on. And to that extent, good. Good for Brian Kelly for turning around LSU football, for beating out Bama, for beating out – uh, Mississippi State and all the other powerhouses in that first year. First year, like it was nothing, and this is coming off of a historically bad team out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. But there's a few teams on the list that I don't know if it's bias or if it's just me wanting to be a dis. What is it? A, a dis- contrarian. A, a contrarian. contrarian. Thank you. <laughs> I, 
First, all three of us, by the way, and I don't know if you all heard that, all three of us said contrarian at the same time. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Usually associated with you, Jackson. Yeah. Really? Yeah, see, now you're disagreeing with me. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I look at an undefeated TCU. If they win the Big 12, they win the Big 12, and they're undefeated. I mean, it's hard to say a two-loss team should be in there over an undefeated team. I understand the Big 12 is not as good as the SEC, but either way. And then you got a team like USC. I think it's better for college football if USC squeaks in. I think it's better for all the recruits out there to know that USC is back. And I know that's almost a rigged plan. But Inside the Grammys, Max. I, it's still true. If USC wins the, the Pac-12, Pac-10, they will get a good bid at it at least. I mean, no, no worse than Tennessee who won't even play in the SEC. Yeah. And here's the real sleeper of them all. Clemson is still looming with no, one loss. No, no. Unlikely. Clemson, Clemson Unlikely. needs to be undefeated. Uh, a blowout to an unranked Notre Dame team was yeah. not. Well, Notre Dame isn't ranked now. Well, now they are. But, I but mean, um, you know, Clemson still, though, I mean, technically they are undefeated in the I just, I just see it hard to give a two-loss team that has a championship over a one-loss team that has a championship. Uh, well, I think another thing that we have to factor in is, like, two of the top four teams right now are Ohio State and Michigan, and they're going to be playing each other. You know, so that'll obviously change depending on who wins that game. So uh, I do think that that would open the door for LSU to sneak in uh, if, if they do win out. That is a very LSU valid and point. Georgia. I would rather though in a year like this year where Ohio State's kind of bounced back and forth between yeah. being great and not. I, I expect Ohio State to beat Michigan. So do I. Yeah. And I personally, I have a slight Big Ten bias growing up. Just watch the Big Ten over the SEC. I would rather be two Big Ten teams than one, just based on how the year's gone down. Well, what's what's going to be interesting is I believe this is next year. It's happening. Um, the Big Ten's moving away from divisions, so it, it's very possible. Like how we're looking at it this year, it's very possible we'll see, you know, a one, an undefeated or a one loss or a undefeated one loss team. Uh, or teams go against each other in Ohio State and Michigan, and then they have to play again the next week, or you know their next game has to be the Big Ten Championship against each other. I mean, if if they were doing divisionless football this season, that's exactly what we'd get. Um, See, so yeah, I think the Big Ten is a little slept on. They're they're um, this year they're quietly winning. You know, both Ohio State and Michigan. You know, Ohio State gets that twenty-one to seven win against Northwestern. Um, so we're gonna because. You know, we have so many opinions. We're going to go to Kylie. Kylie, who's your top four right now? Top four might be slightly unconventional. Um, yeah, it looks like we're getting a call right now. Um, but go ahead with your top four, and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll answer it. All right, well, top four. Obviously, I'm going to put Georgia at number one, 10-0. The Tennessee game really showed that they are dominant they are the strong force uh we really thought that or i mean i really thought that tennessee might may have had a chance to go up there and um beat them but uh then number two i'm gonna have to go with tcu uh, a couple of 50 plus point wins 17 10 win over texas five ranked wins strength of schedule there is just something that i'd like to point out and put them as my number two Number three, I'm going Ohio State. Kind of what you said about them quietly winning, the Big Ten being slept on. 77-21 to 21 win over Toledo. Not saying Toledo's great or anything, but a 
score that you're putting up. That's that's pretty crazy, offensively impressive. And number four, I am a fan of putting LSU in there as a sneaker. Um, I'll put put LSU as my number four. I think there's a lot of fight from the squad. Daniels is dual threat, as I mentioned. Depends on if they're hot or not. And, yeah. All right, so the Fighting Tigers rounds out Kylie's number four. We're going to go ahead and go uh, to the phone. Who is this? Hello? Hello. You're on Tomahawk Talk. Hi. Who am I speaking to? Uh, my name is Jack. I'm listening from uh, Orlando on the TuneIn app. Gotcha. Okay, Jack. What, long-time listener, first-time caller, that kind of thing? Yes, sir. I've been listening for, you know, probably around a year-ish or so now. Gotcha. Well, we appreciate it. Um, you have a question for us? Yeah, so, you know, great week of NFL this weekend. Um, you know, as far as the Bills go, you know, we've seen them be – like so dominant in some games and then in other instances like this weekend they just fail to close out against a team that they on paper should be you know winning by a pretty comfortable margin like what do you guys feel about or what do you feel uh their limitations are going into the playoffs as far as you know not being able to close out close games well i mean we look at josh allen you know, Josh Allen, he, he was notorious for throwing picks, and, you know, that that's what causes, uh, you know, he tries to force one in there uh, against the Vikings there at the end. I think the only thing that can stop the Bills is themselves. Um, you know, obviously you have the fumble there at the end against the Vikings as well. I mean, that's a tough situation, you know, especially with a, a quarterback that doesn't go under center often and he's kind of put into the fire there. But Buffalo doesn't turn the ball over. You know, I'd expect Buffalo, if they win the turnover margin, to win 90% of their games. They're that good. Um, so, uh, anybody else want to give their take? For me, he's got a bit of uh, – Josh Allen's got a bit of Brett Favre syndrome right now where he's just trying to do more than what he actually can, and he's turning it over in bad spots, spots where a better quarterback, a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers every year except for this year, wouldn't throw it, would just get rid of it, even though they are that type of caliber quarterback to squeeze it in those – Small windows, they just have to know they can't do that. And I think the other thing that is a little concerning for the Bills is their secondary. little thin in the one sense of after a long game, they have to lock it down. They cannot let – and I understand give props to Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins for connecting on all of those throws. You just can't let them move down the field like that. And it was like he's throwing the ball to Justin Jefferson every time. Not even like a consideration of for anyone else. It's just, I, I you need to see better execution. Gotcha, uh, Jack. You got anything else for us? Um, no. I mean, you know, Buffalo's in a tough spot. You know, they both of their starting safeties are out, all pro, like perennial all pro guys. You know, it's difficult at this point for them to in a situation like that. But yeah, I mean, I agree. Like it's it's just tough for them, I guess. Like yeah. and spots like that where they're just trying to do too much yeah all righty well jack we appreciate the call and uh we hope you uh keep listening for another year and years after of course thank you guys thank you and there he goes um so just to to rehash for the listeners kylie just real quick say your top four again we're on the same page uh well real quick run through i said 
One, Georgia, two, TCU, three, Ohio State, and four, big sneak coming in, LSU. Yeah, I think I think that's not a horrible ranking. Um, I'm sure Max Thank would you. definitely disagree. You're welcome. That's so kind of you. You're, you're, Thank you. You're very welcome. I mean, just because it's such a – a lot of people consider LSU a hard take. Um, that's why I said it that way. I apologize. I came across wrong. Um, Max, I'm sure you would disagree with LSU at four. Yeah, but I'm also going to make a bold opinion just because I kind of want to. Why not? And I'm going to go back on something I literally just said. So call me Stephen A. Smith if you want. It's fine. Let's just say in this scenario, only one Big Ten team will make it. Because in years past, they have um, not been so kind to the Big Ten, and I would not be too surprised if it happened again. One, Georgia. Two, TCU. Jumping on your bandwagon there, Kylie. Thank you. Three. What did I already say? Oh, Ohio State. Three, Ohio State. (laughs) And then four, just for the narrative purposes, USC. Ah, Okay, yeah, so – USC, they're they're an interesting group. Um, they they lose to a, a solid Utah team on the road, um, you know, a later game. They have Lincoln Riley in his first year. He brings over Caleb Williams, who is a, a solid quarterback. You know, a very very capable quarterback, um, and that's understating him. But to me, I, I think you got to go Georgia one. You got to put Ohio. I don't know. Michigan beat Ohio State last year. I think I'm going to put Michigan two, just because. Their records to me, their their resumes look pretty similar, pretty identical at this point, and you have them. Uh, you know, Michigan gets the win last year by a pretty solid amount, and you have uh, Blake Corum as uh, one of the Heisman front runners. And then, so then I'd put Ohio State three, just because of the similarity of their resumes. I am not completely sold on TCU. Um, I think if it comes down to it, I would put LSU over. TCU and I put LSU over. I don't know, but LSU lost by so much against mm-hmm. Tennessee. You're That's the problem. So I probably I'm probably putting TCU four as well. What's holding you back on TCU? I just just the eye test. I don't I don't believe in them yet. And you know you you, you lose or excuse me you, you beat teams. And uh, Lee Corso always said this about Florida State. Um, you know during that 2014 season they don't have a quality loss yet. Um, but I'm just not sold on. The opponents that they're playing and how much they're beating them by. I thought I thought the Texas game um, was a a huge huge. It, it almost won me over. Almost. I need one more win from them uh, against a a solid squad for me to uh, really believe in them. And I I think it might take a win in the playoff for me to believe in them. I was about to say I don't <laughs> so, think you're gonna get your belief coming yeah. from Baylor or Iowa State. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, they go undefeated. They they win the Big 12. They deserve to get in. I think they will get in. Um, and, and what will probably happen is LSU would sneak in um, after Ohio State or Michigan loses. That's probably what's going to happen. I Before you give yours, mm-hmm. in, I just want to jump in and be a bit rude real quick yep. to Kylie. Go for it. Your entire premise of including LSU derives from the fact that they beat Georgia and yet Georgia is still number one? I did not say that my uh, – I, I, don't, I don't know where you got – You said your top four premise. was Georgia one, LSU four, correct? LSU didn't play Georgia. They, they will. Oh, they right. have to beat them to make it. Yeah. End yeah. of story. So they, We're saying right now, though. Oh, oh, okay, my bad. Yeah. 
I mean, right now, I have, I have, I have. Thank I have, you for being. I, I really <laughs> thought I went big brain mode right there. I was no. like, oh wow. You you thought you thought you got me. I really did. You, you really did. I was confident. All right, so Ian has been patiently waiting yes. to give his top four. So Ian, the floor is yours. All right. Well, um, my my top three are very similar to uh, to Jackson. Georgia is the clear nice. cut number one right now. I'm gonna put Michigan at two just because I don't like Ohio State, but <laughs> <laughs> the fact is that they are still undefeated. Your hate is just cloudy. Yeah clouding your opinion i'm like anakin skywalker right now <laughs> um, and then at number four um i'm gonna put tennessee because we're talking about right now what the you know who are the top four teams right now yeah i don't think that one of the two michigan or ohio state is going to fall out of the top four by season's end and uh tcu i agree with you the just the eye test i mean they have to keep coming back against unranked teams mid teams yeah i mean Kudos to them for having the fortitude to keep coming mm-hmm. back, but they feel like the giants of the college football world right now. Yeah, like it's just fluky. You know, they barely beat Kansas, and Kansas just got their sixth win. Right. Um. And you know they're. I mean, you got. You, I can't hate on Kansas, but you know they're 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 tearing down goalposts right now. Yeah. Over being bowl eligible, I'm really happy for them. There's no no Kansas hate, but you know uh, that was probably TCU's one of their biggest wins yeah. all season, uh, at least morale wise. So. Um, it's the quality of Tennessee's wins that puts them over the edge yes. for me. Is... And, and, you know, the, the loss to Georgia, they, they looked physically dominant. Yeah. They, I mean, the, the, the score was not – the score made it look a lot closer than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to keep it within the SEC. Jimbo Fisher uh, in his fifth year after raking in millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, uh, got his seventh loss with Texas A&M and the Aggies. Um, down there in College Station, they will miss a bowl game. Um, te- it looks like Texas. You know, the the, the joke is Texas eight and four. Uh, will probably be Texas four and eight by the end of the season. <laughs> um, so I, I need y'all's opinion. Will Jimbo Fisher be fired? I I hope so. That would be that would be icing on the cake. To be quite honest with you, if I mean if you look at Texas A and M Twitter. Right now, fans are literally comparing his play calling to listening to nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, it's, it's bad. No one's happy. Um, I think people are confused. Uh, playing Miami closely, um, an App State loss. At home. And then you have an Auburn 10-13 to loss amid all of Auburn's problems and controversy over the quarterback position. How can you have faith in this squad? I mean, you can't. I mean, this this team. It, it's almost. It, it's actually. It is worse than the 2017 Florida State team, the team that you know started the year number three against Alabama, ends up going seven and six. They they made a bowl game. They they won their bowl game, and then you have to compare that to a Texas A&M team that was supposed to compete. You know, Saban and Jimbo. They're, they're talking crap. You know, the entire off season. You expect, and granted, that game was close, and it was a good game between them and Bama. But you know, just a team that's completely underperforming with a, with a great recruiting class. How on earth can this happen? And Texas A&M has the money to do it. They they they, or I guess to compare them, they're kind of like the the Saudis in in English football, or excuse me, English soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's like the principle. The boosters will the boosters pony up? Will they will they fork up tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars 
Um, do they? Is there any belief that Jimbo can turn it around? That's the real question I think people should be asking. Is there any belief that Jimbo, um, with the recruits that he has, and you know, having a national championship under his belt, is there any way they can turn it around? Well, it's funny you say tens and tens of millions because he's actually making just shy of that, which I thought was ironic. But I'm looking at an extremely good source right now that is giving me all the information that I could possibly need. This actually doesn't answer your question, but it answers the original question. Fair enough. Um, January 1st, 2023, if they buy him out before then, they will owe him $85.95 yeah. million. If they do it before the next new year, $76.8 million. And it keeps going, 67.5, 58.2. Long story short, not yet. They're going to save a lot of money if they just let them ride out these good recruitment classes a couple more years, and if it keeps struggling along, get rid of them. But I, don't the big if, change I don't know if the boosters care home. about the money. I, his track record is not sterling, to say the least. Yeah. So that's the thing that it's a balancing act between how much money do we want to pay to get him out of here because he clearly hasn't proven at least thus far that he's the right coach yeah but but he's getting the names on the paper which i know is not important to boosters to some extent it but it is in the sense of it's not without trying it's not like he like what he was doing at the end of florida state's run here where he just kind of had one leg out the door yeah, yeah exactly but what you know what got fired or what got uh, Willie Taggart fired, in my opinion, was not the losses. It was the constant uh, n- lack of improvement, the constant inconsistency. Um, and that's what we're seeing with, with Jimbo Fisher. It's just going completely downhill. Um, there's no sign of improvement. Um, and so, anyway, that, that's 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 all for, for college football today. Um, we're going to go we're gonna go to the Sunshine Slate. You know, the beloved NFL Sunshine Slate. Uh, Dolphins, they win 39-17 against the Browns. Don't don't even punt once. Um, just an offensive... No sacks either. No sacks either. Just an offensive uh, clinic, best way to put it. Uh, you know, Tua looks great again. Three touchdowns, 285 yards. Um, really spacing out the middle of the field. Um, hitting all of his targets really, really well. Ha- had a really solid game. Um, Jeff Wilson, kind of a coming out party for him. Uh, you know, he came from the 49ers, had a really solid game, 119, 17 carries, and a touchdown. Uh, Jaguars, real quick, you want to touch on them, Kylie? Absolutely, you know I do. Um, I mean, it was a loss on the weekend, but honestly, that's what I was expecting playing the Chiefs. If if you're going to beat the Chiefs and you're a Jaguars team, you have to be near perfect. You have to be firing on all cylinders. I liked what I saw from Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, ETN. Um, but mainly what the thing that I'm most excited about is Andre Sisco. Um, picked off Patty Mahomes there in the second half. Pretty exciting. Um, 27-17 to 17 score. Not terrible for, like, you, you just have to imagine, like, where our standards are as Jags fans. Um, that's, we're, we're, we're okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, they, they started off so, um, so much optimism of going 2-1, and one, I believe, to start the season. Uh, for the Jags under Peterson, but um, they just need some more Joes, I think. They need some more Jimmys and Joes. And then the Bucks, uh, they go to Munich. They play in Allianz Arena down there in Munich. Uh, I guess over there, not down there. Uh, they win 21-16 to over the Seahawks and Geno Smith. Uh, Tom Brady, 4-0, international games. 2-0 after the divorce. Um, <laughs> as sad as that is. Uh, the Seahawks, 
uh, only had 39 rushing yards. Uh, Bucks, on the other end, however, had 209 yards uh, with White carrying the load. He had over 100 yards. So, um, Sunshine Slate goes 2-1 and one this season. Uh, the Knolls in basketball are 0-2 uh, with losses to Stetson at home, which was not pretty, and then to UCF on the road, which was not pretty either. They got completely uh, out-rebounded. Especially they on the offensive boards, they could not get a defensive rebound to save their life. But they are playing against Mercer right now, right? Uh, Troy. Troy, excuse Troy. me. They play Mercer's Mercer next, next week. Yeah. Uh, so they play Troy right now. That's going on. Um, so hopefully Jeff Colhane. By the way, uh, uh, courtesy to Jeff Colhane for the, the call we heard at the, at the uh, beginning of the show and a Learfield audio as well. But that's going to do it for us today on Tomahawk Talk. Um, for Ian Hughes, Max Rundy, our co-host, Kylie Brennan, and I've been your host, Jackson Bakich. We'll see you next Monday at 7 p.m. on Tomahawk Talk. You are listening to WBFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State.